Hello once again, welcome to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host as always, the mouth of Michigan, Ramadeka. With me as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm right here. And once again, we have a resident NBA insider, Kyle Budzanowski, the man. How you doing, Kyle? I'm good. How are you, Rob? I am doing fantastic. This week, guys, we've been teasing it for the past couple weeks. The first ever I'm Always Right interview was shot a couple days ago. Me, Mike, and the Brain Emily were on... We were online with Mikey Zero, the promoter of MCPW, Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling in Traverse City, Michigan. They have a huge, huge show. Battleground 11, Joey Ryan versus Scott Steiner, May 17th. Um, it is one. It is their biggest show of the year by far. They're going to catch Joey Ryan on the end of his indie scene. We got to talk with Mike about everything. He was on The Amazing Race. We got to talk about the origin of Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling and where the name came from, his biggest moments in wrestling, some of uh, his favorite moments within the promotion, and everything in between. The very first I'm Always Right Sports Podcast interview, we thank Mike and Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling so much for the time. That is going to be part one of this week's episode. And then once you guys hear that great interview, you'll come back to our beautiful faces for part two. So here is the interview between yours truly, Mike the the Merc Zone, as well as Emily the Brain, and Mikey Zero from Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling. Stay tuned for part two after the interview. Hey guys, this is the Mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyke, along with the Merc Zone and the Brain. I am here, and we are interviewing... Uh, Mikey at Mikey Zero, the promoter of Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling. Um, he's got a big show coming up here this early this month, Battleground 11. He's got it looks like he's got Joey Ryan and Scott Steiner coming in now. Mike, first thing I want to ask you, just straight off the bat, I'm sure you get this question a lot. Where's the name coming from? Because that that's a that's a extremely uh, like kind of out there name for for a lot of like low key promotions. That's something just for you guys to stand out. Uh, well, kind of, but not really. <laughs> um, we started out as uh, when I was a teenager. Me and my buddy used to book concerts, okay. and like it was just like local bands. And he was a big fan of the band Alkaline Trio, okay. and they had a song called Mister Chainsaw. And I happen to be a big fan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, so we were right. just like, let's be Mister Chainsaw Productions. Right. And um, so we were. And uh, <laughs> about a year into booking concerts. I was like, hey, I'm a trained pro wrestler. Like, <laughs> I'm building a ring. Why don't we start Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling? And it just wow. built off that, and the name just stuck. So. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I, how long have you guys been uh, running? Uh, I've been running since 2007. Yeah. Um, that was my first show. I was a uh, young spry, uh, 19 <laughs> years old at the time. Right. And, um, yeah, so we've been running for uh, quite a while, about 12 years now. Wow, that's awesome. So, I mean um, – uh, as you guys have grown, I mean, you guys are pulling in some pretty big names. Me and Mike were actually talking uh, before you hopped on that you, know, you guys are getting Joey Ryan kind of at the end of his indie run there. How, how big of a get was him and, and Scotty as well? Uh, I mean, it was. I, I didn't know it was going to be the end of his indie run when I had booked him, <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of glad that I got the chance. I'd been asked uh, – multiple fans and uh some of our sponsors even have been asking for you know two three years you know if you should get joey ryan up here and um i've always kind of thought you know we do have family friendly events there's children in the crowd and i always kind of backed off but i'm like you know i may as well just bite the bullet go for it (laughs) try to book joey shot him the date and he was open yeah and um at the same time i had been booking scott steiner and i had no idea i was going to put the two together but (laughs) It just kind of happened. Weird. (laughs) 
Oh, it, uh, you know, and that's what I was telling, you know, I have a couple of buddies that help me out um, throughout the years. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm booking Joey Ryan, Scott Steiner. We got them both on the show. We may as well. Right. And, you know, they're like, if that's what you want to do, let's do it. And, you know, I uh, sent it out WrestleMania weekend. I actually went and we got, you know, I got Scott to okay it. I got Joey to okay it. And then we announced it the Monday following WrestleMania and the internet blew up. Right. Absolutely. It was I mean, when pretty I crazy. when you guys followed my uh, personal account, I reached out to you guys pretty much immediately because when I saw that on paper, I was I was pretty stunned. I was like, "That is a clash of styles." If you ever saw one, right? I mean, you going from super old school, oh yeah, and, like, you know, like really like a trendsetter on the indie scene for so long now. So it's it's an extremely intriguing matchup. Oh yeah, for sure. And I had just seen, uh, you know, on WrestleMania weekend, AIW ran a show. Uh, in New Jersey, and they had booked Scott Steiner versus Hornswoggle. So I was like, you know, yeah, you may as well give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you mentioned too that you're you're a wrestler yourself. Are you still active on the roster? Um, no, no, I haven't wrestled in about uh, about over a year now. It was February of 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had my last match. Well, my last match for the time being. I never say never, but um, right. we did a big last man standing match, and there's this balcony in this uh in the venue we run the east jordan civic center and i was like you know what i'm going off the balcony like that's going to be the finish to this match and i'm i mean i'm a big i'm a 300 pound guy so that's unheard of so we did the set up four tables sure enough i fell off the balcony and i would figure i was like that's a good time for now yeah that's kind of write myself out and focus on promoting and but you know, you never know in wrestling. I could be in the ring next month again. You just right. never know. Yeah, so. yeah that's a, I mean, <laughs> Mike's over here dying. because awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just takes somebody to know, you know, so, oh, well, so-and-so didn't show up or can't make the show. Well, I got my gear. I may as well go in the ring and let's do this again. So yeah, let's do it. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's a commitment to anything. Are you, are you the booker as well as the promoter? I know sometimes a lot of companies kind of keep it all in house or do you guys have kind of like a, a hodgepodge, a couple people that are kind of doing that or is it, are you off and Omega in that regard? Um, well, I mean, I pretty much handle everything hands on, but uh, my boy, Mike Z, not to be confused with myself, Mikey Zero. They think we're the same person. Yeah. But uh, my boy Mike Z, he uh, he's been there since pretty much day one. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll I'll shoot ideas by him, or if I come up, I'm drawing a blank. I'll pass it to him. He'll help me out. And he's really good with um, kind of putting together how the show's going to be from top to bottom. You know, I'll I'll make the matches. This is who I have. And he'd be like, well, it would make sense for this guy to do this in this match and mm-hmm. progress his story that way. So he's kind of the brains behind the actual shows happening as you see them. For sure. Um, and then I also have my uh, buddy Jake Ziegler. So the three Z's um, oh, and yeah. Jake is just, he's another, one of my go-tos like, Hey, you know, I need help with this. I need an idea for this. So, right. um, you know, or they'll shoot me ideas. You know, what do you think of this? Or, you know, let's bring in this guy. And so, I mean, I try to keep hands on with every single thing I can, right. but they'll help out where they can in social media and stuff like that, that I just kind of, yeah, slack on or I get too crazy. So you know, one thing, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been a lifelong wrestling fan. Uh, Mike, Mike joined out a little bit later in life and M has only joined after since she started dating me. So, <laughs> but um, <laughs> okay. one thing I've always kind of been interested in is as far as with the independence, you know, without mainstream TV or without, um, you know, a heavy presence where you guys are constantly getting, you know, young, fresh faces plucked from you kind of thing. 
as far as storyline goes, do you find it difficult or easier to kind of map out an entire arc of a story? Because WWE, TNA, even Ring of Honor, some of these local you know guys where it's easy to kind of map out an arc, a whole story, because you've got TV to tell it, right? Where yeah. You guys just have such a devoted fan base to where it's easy and people are familiar with your guys, or is it more challenging because you kind of always have a, a cyclical process of talent kind of coming and going as they kind of please? Uh, it is pretty difficult because, you know, as you said, like the talent will come and go as they please. And you might have an event where, you know, okay, well, we're going to book this match and we're going to have so-and-so interfere. And then we're going to set up the match for the next show. And then all of a sudden the wrestler that interfered in the match was like, oh, well, I have another booking that day or I can't, you know, that is happening a lot. You know, <laughs> there's just so many promotions in Michigan. Yeah. I mean, we just happen to be like one of the only ones up in northern Michigan, right. like down in Detroit and, you know, Flint and those areas. There's so, so much going on. So it's hard to, you know, tack down your guys. You have to book your dates out almost, you know, three, four months in advance to make sure you get the guys if you want a story. Um, that being said, we do have a very loyal following and loyal crowd to where, you know, they know who everybody is. They know the stories that are going on. And, um, and we try to keep, a, you know, keep them satisfied to where there are some angles and there are storylines, but also at the same token, we get new people in at every single event and, uh, battleground's going to be, you know, we're going to attract different people from, you know, as far as Detroit coming up. Yeah. So we give them a little bit of, you know, not too in-depth storylines, but kind of just to be familiar with who the wrestlers are and, you know, not overcomplicate things. So right. Do you ever get any pushback from, from any of the talent, you know, especially your, your guys, you know, who your champion is and everything where, you know, like, is it always kind of like the de facto, okay, he's coming from, he's been in WWE or he's been here, he's been there, they're automatically at the top of the card? Or is it kind of more like we're still going to value the fact that our homegrown, our talent that our fans know and, and enjoy – are always going to kind of be, you know, taken a little more seriously as far as storylines go. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, our guys are very, you know, they're they're super loyal to me and they're very, you know, cool with everything I book and I always try to take care of them. Yeah, you know, I've never I booked a match or booked a wrestler where I'm like, hey, you know, uh, your story is going to be this or whatever. I'm always making sure that they have a reason to be wrestling, whether it's the top of the card or the opener. Everything mm -hmm. makes sense. And, you know, I've never really had anybody, you know, any pushback from any of my guys mm -hmm. as far as bringing in some ex-WWE guys or, mm -hmm. you know, when I told my guys like, hey, Joey Ryan and um, Scott Steiner are going to be the main event of the show or put them together. I, I mean, they all got a huge pop in the locker room. Like, that's what they wanted to hear. Like, yeah, let's do it. You know, I, I don't care if I don't get to wrestle Joey Ryan or Scott Steiner. <laughs> put that match on. You right. know, that'll draw people in. And so, yeah, yeah everybody's super cool. Closure too, right? What's that? It gets them exposure as well, right? I mean, you got two big names. Oh, exactly. I mean. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, a lot of, you know, you'll see a lot of smaller indies are, um, you know, like they'll bring Scott Steiner in and they'll have him wrestle one of the local guys and help put the local guy over, which we've done in the past with, you know, some of the names we've used, like, you know, Cody Rhodes, Goldust, stuff like that. Right. But at this point in time, it's just, yeah, you're going to get a lot of exposure because this match is so absurd. People are coming from everywhere in the state just to see it. So they're going to sit through the rest of the show and they're going to be entertained. Like, you know, and that's one of the things that I really, I really strive for with a crowd and new crowd, new faces is okay. Well, you're coming for this match, but you're going to be blown away by everything that comes before it as well. And you won't even expect it. So that's another thing too. You mentioned some of the other guys that you brought in. When did that, when was that, uh, excuse you, M. <laughs> um, what, 
when was the when was the breaking point for you guys as far as being able to break into that kind of that the the crowded group? You mentioned there's so many local groups here in Michigan, XICW, uh, MPW, uh, Pro Wrestling All Stars. There's so many different you know subgroups of guys that are running. But you guys, I, I've noticed that you guys have been able to bring in quite a quite a few top talent you know that are either on their way down or on their way up from from the big show, quote unquote. Um, when was that first? Kind yeah, of I mean, guys. I mean, as soon as we started, basically, um, okay. you know, I, I really, I, I didn't know what I was really doing in 2007 yeah. uh, when I started booking. Um, but I mean, I quickly found out, but the first show in 2007, uh, we brought in Zach Gowan, who I was watching as a teenager in high school. And I was a huge fan of, I'm like, he's from Detroit, let's get him. And, yeah. you know, it just, you know, it worked out and that kind of became the starting point for our battleground events to bring in you know, at least one big name if we can for every battleground. Wow. Um, you know, and from there we went to second year was the Sandman. Third year was Mick Foley. We've had Rhino, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Goldust, Cody Rhodes. Um, then the list goes on and on. And yeah. um, one of the, the coolest thing, though, that I think as far as names, like you said, we usually get guys that are on the way up or, you know, just got released from WWE. Right. But my, one, of my, one of my biggest shining moments in MCPW was at Battleground 3 where we brought in Mick Foley and he was the special enforcer for our championship match, which was Jimmy Jacobs versus Tyler Black, who went on to become Seth Rollins. That's fantastic. Yep. Two, yeah. Right. Jimmy, obviously still local here. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just, I mean, mind blowing to me to sit, to, to look back and see the talent and where they've been and where they went after that was just right. absurd to me. So it's just, it was just a very cool, surreal moment. And, you know, battleground history, I guess you could say. Absolutely. Um, so as a wrestler, do you have one match or just one moment in general that you like can remember and that you like more than the rest? <laughs> I, mean, well, I don't know if I like it more, but falling off that balcony was, <laughs> yeah, was pretty brutal. I'm never going to forget that. Um, no, I mean, my more shining moments come from being a promoter, you know, mm -hmm. just like that moment that with Seth Rollins there, Jacobs and Foley. Um, you know, when we had Cody Rhodes come in and it was, it was literally the weekend before he signed full-time with Ring of Honor, like wow. just to have him right there. Great time. Um, yeah, it was, <laughs> and that's, it's just, yeah, things like that, you know, just how crazy how things work out. We get that good. Not with Joey Ryan. I mean, right. he's wrapping up his indie dates and we yeah. just happened to get him. So those are shining moments for me as a promoter um, in the ring, you know, wrestling. It's just, eh, that's kind of all the same to me. I know it's bad to say that as a wrestler, but. <laughs> You know, <laughs> like a match is a match. Yeah, it's just, it, you know, I've had so many matches and some of them blend together. Sometimes you get a good crowd reaction, but it's just being a promoter, I get more satisfaction. Yeah, that, I mean, I can, I totally get that. Did you ever find it, you know, because you're, uh, you're one of the first guys I've talked to in the industry. I've talked to some of the other local promoters, but they've never been part of the show, right? Like where they're, you know, uh -huh. some scrawny dude sitting back there, you know, calling the shots, but they've never been there. Did you ever find it difficult? to not only book yourself in, in a position, because at the end of the day, it's your baby, right? You're the one, you know, it falls mostly upon you to make it work and that you have the most. Yes. So did you ever find that struggle of like having to like, okay, I only trust myself. Like a good example of that, like Vern Gagne back way back in the AWA was champion, right? Of his own promotion because he was the promoter. It, it fell on him. I'm the only person I trust to make this work. So I need to be the champion. Do you ever find any pressure about that to kind of be like, I need to put myself in a position to succeed in order for the promotion to succeed? 
Um, somewhat. I mean, I, I'm very just, I, I try to stay like super humble and I don't ever want to like put myself over in the shows and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, my buddy Mike Z is always like, you know, if, if you're not going to put yourself over, nobody is, well, why not do it yourself? So he'd always push for me like, Hey, maybe you should wrestle the main event. Like if we're doing a show in my hometown, you know, yeah. where I grew up and went to school, you know, you need to be in the main event. And you, so like, it takes a little push from, from others around, but you know, and then I'll see, okay, you know, we can make money and, you know, everything will be fine if I do this. And, you know, so I, I've held the title twice. Okay. I mean, once I did it for like a month mm-hmm. and then the other, you know, maybe like, I don't know how long the second time was, but mm-hmm. just to pr- kind of progress the stories and, you know, put it on, you know, find the next next guy that's going to carry the company on his shoulders and be our next champion. And um, I mean, I, I felt okay doing that, but at the same time, like I said, I don't like to put myself over that way. And right. so... Uh, yeah, I think it's tough, yeah. right, to kind of find that balance. You know, I, I think it's nice that you have some guys that are kind of behind you. We're like, no, it makes sense. You're the guy. It makes sense here for you to be the guy at this moment in time, right? It makes sense for for you to go over in this situation, right? So, I, I, I yeah, it's a pretty refreshing take, I think, because I I think a lot of guys in your position feel almost the complete opposite. Where it's like, no, I need to be the champion, and I'll bring guys. Oh in. yeah, they're taking the fall because they're leaving tomorrow. I'm not. You know. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And I've wrestled many a promotion that I've, I've seen the promoter carrying around that championship. And even like in the back, you know, he'll like wear it around in the locker room. Like he's trying to impress us. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, a difference between just putting yourself over and being a mark for yourself. And, right, yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot, a lot of promoters be like that. So, right. Yeah. I, I've seen that as well, especially locally where you're just like, you know, where the, you can tell who the promoter is. Because he's in every segment, right? He's the announcer. He's the special. <laughs> yep. He's in the main event. He's also in the tag match. He's he's in every storyline. He's the bad guy, but he's also the good guy. You know, it's there's a lot of difference. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've seen some of those shows where I've gone to some spot shows here and there, just locally, and and I go, this is not this is not the way it should be done. And you can tell, right, from a production quality standpoint, from from the wrestling, you can just tell, like, okay, there's obviously some ulterior motives here. Um, let's show oh, yeah. just from wrestling for a second, cause you were on the amazing race and talking to your social media guys, they mentioned that, you know, that was a big thing for you. Did that, did being on the amazing race help you guys as a promotion kind of grow, get some extra exposure or was it more a personal gratification type of thing? Uh, I mean, there was, there was a couple events that, uh, definitely was, a, a, a helpful, um, like we had uh, the season was airing right around battleground time. And I, I don't remember what battleground it was. Cause I'm terrible. I have a terrible memory, <laughs> but uh, there was one battleground and it was right as the show was airing, like right getting ready to wrap up. And we had made it through the finale. So uh, we were still on TV yeah. and I, I mean, we just used that and, you know, pushed it to the moon. And sure. you know, what was funny though, is I had to get, even though I was on the show, I had to get clearance from CBS to use the amazing race logo on the flyer to advertise myself. Oh my gosh. So I had to jump through that hoop. And once they, you know, they, I got the go ahead, you know, we just use that to promote it. Like, uh, you know, it was my first appearance in my hometown since my wife and I had been on the show. So, you know, I, I just use that to promote myself and it seemed to work well. And that was probably the most merch that I've moved even (laughs) in my hometown ever. So yeah, yeah, that definitely helped out. Um, and you know, once the show wrapped, um, I just kind of went back into the normal groove of things and, you know, but I do think it put new eyes on the product on MCPW and yeah. people stuck around. So I would say it helped. 
How did you even find your way onto that? Because we're we're big. We watch a lot of like Big Brother and Survivor here, and, and the Amazing Race too. So well, that's one of the questions we can always ask ourselves. I'm like, how do you even wind up on one of those shows? Did you guys like apply and got to go through like a set of like trials and tribulations, or what do you got to do? Yeah, yeah, it's a long process. But like, you, it's funny you mentioned Big Brother because that's the show I auditioned for. Oh, okay. Back when I was like 19 or 20 years old. And I did the race when I was, I believe, 25, 26. Mm -hmm. And I've never applied for the race. I just got a cold call one day out of the blue. And it, this guy said he was the casting director for The Amazing Race. And he's seen my audition video for Big Brother. And he wondered if I'd still look the same, if I still had my beard, if I was dating anyone. And I almost hung up on the dude because I thought it was a prank phone call. Like, oh, for sure. You know? Um, so I entertained it for a little bit and then I decided to Google the phone number and it sure enough, it was from Los Angeles and I looked up the guy and he sure enough was a casting director. So, uh, my wife and I were only dating at the time for just over a month. Oh my God. She was, she was with her sister in New York. So I had to, I called her and I'm like, Hey, uh, randomly, um, I got a call for us to audition for the amazing race. Are you interested? And she thought I was joking, but it was all legit. <laughs> And yeah. next thing you know, they have us send in a couple of videos. They have us do a paperwork. Then they flew us to LA for a week to audition. And, you know, we got a call a month later. They're like, you're on the show. So that's crazy. It, I mean, it was it, yeah. like, are you serious? Like, we don't even know each other that well yet. Like, I barely know. Yeah. Each other. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it was just, you know, like the amazing race. Like, I've heard of it. I, you yeah. know, you've never talked about that show before. I'm like, I know. Like, I, it just happened. And I, it was crazy how it all worked out. It just kind of fell into our laps. And, you know, I definitely used my wrestling skills, my wrestling training from promos and stuff to get in there and do those audition videos. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. it just, it worked out. But the yeah. funny thing is they didn't want me to mention wrestling on the race. Of course. They, uh, <laughs> they uh, promoted me as a truck stop, a truck driver, owner of a truck stop. Because wow. my parents had owned a convenience store. And they said, don't mention wrestling because of the season before they had Robbie E and Brooke oh, on. Okay. I got so you. They, yep. So they wanted me to stay away from that completely. So they kind of just took like the stereotype, like, oh, he's a big guy with a beard. Yeah. He has tattoos. His girlfriend has tattoos. <laughs> Truck stop driver. Boom. Yeah. Right. Like that. This is going to fit perfect. Everyone's going to believe it. Totally believe it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Looks not I, I couldn't do anything like, <laughs> I, like I, I couldn't like drive a stick shift or anything on the show like I'm stalling out like I can't do this stuff you're trying to promote me as a trucker like right. I can't even drive this you know? so yeah. I mean I don't know if it backfired on them but yeah. whatever <laughs> I'll play whatever character you want <laughs> oh man that's awesome <laughs> all right a couple more quick things here and then we'll let you get on with your night uh who are you trained by because I know a lot of guys in the area you know, HOT is a big one, The House of Truth by Truth Martini. Uh, that's a big one. I know I know they used to supply, like, rings and stuff for Ring of Honor when they were here. Did you, guys, did you go somewhere else? Did you train locally? Or where were you? Who were you trained by? Yeah, I was trained at the electric company by a wrestler named Eric Freedom. He, uh, he did a couple of job spots back in the day, WWF in the early 90s and stuff. And yeah. he had a school not too far from my house. And um, so I started going there, and there was a uh, – uh, one of the students there was named Gary the Freak. He was only a few years older than I was, mm -hmm. and he really kind of took me under his wing. And I give him also a lot of credit for training me and helping me, you know, learn the basics. For sure. Um, and, you know, so that, that's where I got my start. Um, but I, I really want to credit, like, a lot of seminars and being around wrestlers yeah. like uh, Jimmy Jacobs. You know, I started booking him since, you know, my first show. Right. Um, 
uh, Josh Abercrombie, who's now Josh Raymond. He did the little stint Ring of Honor. I was around him a ton. Uh, CJ Otis, I was around a lot. So just being around these guys and, you know, soaking in their knowledge and asking them questions, right. that is what I think furthered me more, you know, as a wrestler and a promoter, not just yeah. the basic training to learn your headlocks and bumps and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, getting to uh, sit in Zach Gowan's house, you know, and, right. and, and sit there and talk with him on the couch about just wrestling. Like, right. my 13-year-old mind was blown. So. <laughs> yeah, of course, right. You, you immediately are, went back to the time where you're like, dude, I know this guy. Like, he's, he was on my TV yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Now he's making me a grilled cheese. Like, <laughs> it was crazy, crazy yeah. stuff. So, yeah, just, just picking people's brains that have been places and that have done stuff was uh, just a huge help all around. Oh my gosh, I can I, I can only imagine that that that's so awesome. All right, man, I really appreciate the time, Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling. Friday, May seventeenth, Battleground Eleven, Scott Steiner versus Joey Ryan. Mike, is there anything else you want? Any other plug you want to get in while we're here? Um, I, just Emily, is there anything? No, I think he's asking. Yeah, I'm talking about this, Mike. We don't have anything to plug, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to let everybody know, uh, follow Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling on Twitter at MCPW Online. We are also on Facebook. Just search Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling. All the updates are there. We have a great social media team trying to keep everybody updated on our events. Yep. Um, and yeah, or if you want to follow me, it's Mikey Zero at M-I-K-E-Y-Z-E-R-O-E. I'm also a radio show host, so sometimes I post fun things and we do stupid stuff on the radio. So if you like Jackass, then you should like follow me. Right. Fantastic. Yeah, you'll be hearing from us. Uh, we'll be tagging that for all of us. Our, the I'm Always Right Sports podcast listeners, we will be tagging them in our Twitter and Facebook posts. So please do give them a follow. Give them a like. And if you are in the area, please go to the show. I wish I could go. Um, but Friday, May 17th, Grand Traverse County Civic Center, Battleground 11. One of the biggest shows of the year, Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling, Scotty Steiner from Michigan himself, Joey Ryan coming at, at the end of the indie run here before he goes to AEW, NXT, wherever the hell he's going. Uh, Mike, once again, I really appreciate the time. Let's do this again, though, for sure. And if you ever need anything from us, feel free to hit us up. Sound good? All right. Excellent. I appreciate it. And uh, likewise. All right. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Have a great night. You too. Bye. <laughs> All right, once again, that was the first ever interview for the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast. If you want to be on the show, you want to be interviewed by yours truly and the Merck Zone, possibly even Kyle Budzanowski here, let us know. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook at the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast page or email us at iarbroadcastmedia at gmail.com. Now, let's just shift now from the from our great interview now let's go into what we do best guys let's break down some big topics of the rest of the sports world uh, the first thing i want to jump into we talked about it a little bit last week the nba playoffs but not so much about what's going on necessarily on the court but what's being said mm-hmm. off the court right and you guys both know what's coming that's why we had to have Kyle on the show today mm-hmm. basically james harden with the with the kind of the the thumper of a, of a statement, right? I just want a fair chance. Mm-hmm. I just want a chance, guys. And, of course, that's in reference to NBA officiating, right? Now, as we know, as it sits right now, Golden State's up 2-1. Um, there's been some quote-unquote questionable calls. However, the NBA has gone into saying basically, yeah, we missed probably two calls yeah. in the game in question, right? Um, is he right? And, Colin, let's start with you. Mm-hmm. 
is he right in saying that there is favoritism specifically towards Golden State? Because that's kind of what that comment implies, right? That he feels that there is unjust officiating, you know, against his team compared to the, compared to Golden State. So give me your take on that first. So when you were watching these games, especially last season, you saw a lot of favoritism with Golden State this season a lot. Mm-hmm. And when you're just watching these games, it obviously looks like Golden State's getting a lot of calls. And it could be deciding games. Last uh, um, Western Conference Finals, when they found like 81 missed calls, could have changed the whole entire series. Houston Rockets could have went to the finals, probably sure. beat the Cavs. For sure. But when you're when you're thinking about at a ref standpoint there there was what seven ejections in the first couple whatever games mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. they want to call these games very tightly they want to make sure there's no fights going on there's going to be right. nothing nothing missed so when mm-hmm. when there's there there's obviously been missed calls there's always been controversy but if you're just looking from a ref standpoint i don't think there's really favoritism i think they're just trying to call close calls and if it if it looks one way i understand that but if I'm a ref, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call everything. Stop it right there. No fights. No nothing. If I see something, I'm gonna call it. And I understand where the where the kind of the controversy is. But mm-hmm. you, can, if as a ref, you can either just kind of let them play or you don't. Right. And and that's gonna that might determine games. It might determine what people think about you. I like I like the point you just made, Mike. I'm gonna get your opinion first before I jump back into what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, my only thing to your point to that is. I think every year we've seen the Warriors here. What this is their fifth year running now. Mm-hmm. How many times of these five years can you go? Wow, the Warriors got screwed out of a call. And we're I'm gonna go more towards the West. I feel like the East has been they they don't I guess complain as much. They just yeah. kind of play the game. There's been a lot of stuff going over there, but it's about a lot of the play. It's not right. about the rest. Right. Well, this there's so, the marquee matchup is yeah. Houston Golden yeah. State, right? So that's why everyone's exactly. focusing on it. And sure. um, I just look at it as. You like there's so many calls that go against Houston that I get like everyone goes well Golden State you know we have a lot of penalties too that are right. missed or whatever right. but when you come into the end of the game the last two minutes when everything gets ramped up when everything really matters the most because mm-hmm. if you get a penalty in the first quarter mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything near as close as in the fourth quarter for sure and when That's it comes true. into the fourth quarter and there's three penalties against Golden State that are not called right or two or whatever they announced mm-hmm. that there was right. At that point, you have to go, I think there's favoritism out there. And then I, I totally agree with James Harden's point there is we just want that fair shot. You know, if right. someone's going to – if if Curry follows you, it's mm-hmm. a foul. Right. If someone doesn't let you land, even though the refs were like – after the game, they're like, I don't think it's a foul. Well, they, well the reasoning, and just so we kind of clear that up for everyone who didn't see the game, right? Yeah. The NBA's justification was he threw his legs out, so yes. he's no longer allowing himself a, – because a, Draymond, yes, is jumping towards him – but he's also kicking his legs out, not yes. allowing himself to even land straight down either, yeah. no matter what and Draymond it's a, it's would a lot have done. Of, is the NBA is rule, yeah. right? It's a lot of results-oriented also. Of because course. When you right. see, if he nails it, no one's complaining. Yeah. Well, not even that, but like the play right before, Curry should have been fouled out before he makes the game-winning three-pointer shot. Right. Like, he, like there's an obvious uh, defensive blocking charge mm-hmm. or a defense blocking call that's not called mm-hmm. that um, if it is called... He can't make that game-winning shot. Now, who knows if KD goes on the court and makes a shot right, or something. Right. Like, that's something you could argue at a later do point. We, do we – now, I'm going to be devil's advocate here just for a second here. I want to start with Kyle's point, right, where, you know, he wants it. I do think the biggest problem the NBA is having is the consistency and how, how frequent the calls are, right? Because I think what we're seeing here is a lack of, like – 
what Kyle's saying is they're going to call it tight or they're going to let them play. Yeah. It needs mm-hmm. to be one or the other. It can't be one ref is going, you know, no, that was cool. But then I got another guy, every time somebody breathes on another guy, he's calling for it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I do think that there needs to be some more consistency in the whole rate of play, right? Mm-hmm. The whole, okay, you know what? There's going to be a little more physicality. We know these teams don't like each other. We're going to let them go with it a little bit yeah. more rather than, Half the time we're going one way and half the way we're going the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do agree with that. Well, I'd be okay if before the game, you know, because the Super Saiyans, right. you know, talk to the refs. They're like, hey, if I do this, will you call it? But apparently the, the ref, Harden said for game two, yeah. would just, like, I whatever, and just would walk away from Harden and not even yeah. tell him right. what he's going to call it on. Right. That's something that's totally unfair. Like, you right. have to, if he's going to be like, hey, if I shoot and he jumps at me, right. like, are you going to call it or not? Because right. then it's going to imply if you're going to. Right, of make course. that shot. Do you do you think do you think though? Just once again, I I have no dog in the fight, so I don't really care. But from a just from a from a basketball perspective, I know because you're so anti Golden State. I know, but but at the same time though, do you think in twofold? Number one, do you think it's a result of Harden himself? Right, and the way he plays, especially you know, he jumps into something, he gets called for those three points, he does the step, the whole, the whole nine yards. Right, he does yeah. a lot of things that some people would say are fouls, or he's initiating that contact yeah. upon himself. Right? Do you think that is hurting him right now in this series? Because in my opinion, if you're flailing your legs out and you're going and you're kind of kicking it out there just to embrace contact, I'm sorry, I'm not calling a foul on that. If you're trying to embrace contact as the shooter. I don't care. You're just throwing yourself off. And another problem is if he makes that three, we're not talking about. No, it. absolutely. So that's that's another thing where I'm like, but you, I get it that you lost, but if you make the call, if he makes that shot and they still and they lose or they win, either it doesn't matter. If they win the game, no one's talking about it. I think the only difference is you. It's almost because through the regular season and you see it in football all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, for sure. Is um, calls that are called in the regular season mm-hmm. are changed in the postseason. Right. And I think Westbrook has that problem too. Is he used to driving to the rim and then he gets like a touch foul right. and those are fouls. They're not fouls of the playoffs. Right. Like football, like pass interference. You're, right. They let him play way more in the playoffs right. than they course. do regular season. Right. So when Harden's, you know, through the regular season, all these penalties, like the one Draymond at the end of the game, mm-hmm. that's a foul in the regular season. Right. Which is why, like, now in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you're not getting these calls. It's just the inconsistency, I think, right. of when you now, call it and when you I don't I want to ask you it. this, though. Do you think that Houston is on the receiving end, not even necessarily due to a fault of their own or even to the referees, but we can, can we all agree here that if you're a superstar, you get better treatment than an average NBA yeah. player? Mm-hmm. Like, James Harden will get more calls yes. benefiting him than Reggie Jackson will. Yes. Okay, we can agree on that, I can right? Agree on that. Okay. So, with that being said, do you think that Houston right now is a is a victim inconsequentially because Golden State has more superstars than they do? I think that's the biggest problem that Katie went there made right. for them was there's such a big pull, and even you see it in like the Patriots, you see it in all these teams with the big superstar guys yeah. that like you're gonna benefit toward that one team, and right. you're gonna almost do whatever you can. You realistically, you don't really want to see the Rockets beat the Warriors mm-hmm. if you're you know the league or whatever, because the Warriors are such a big draw for you. Right. That almost from that standpoint, mm-hmm. that. Harden's almost right then in that comment that like I just want a fair game. I don't care right. that they have five superstars on but the team. I guess I if, want... the sh- if the shoe was on the other foot though, and say KD leaves and Clay Lee or Draymond or Boogie or whoever, right? And yeah. now it's equal, and the same thing happens and they get beat again. 
Or they win now, and Golden State goes, I just want a fair chance because they went and added whoever, right? Yeah. You know, Houston went and added whoever. It's a fair so, argument. But my point being is that I don't feel like you can cry wolf if in any other situation you're the one benefiting from that. You know yeah. what I mean? I think that's I think that's my only issue with with the call, right? Whether you think you're getting a fair chance or not is fine. But as somebody who's a Pistons fan, where I'm not getting any calls against any, we no. saw that against the Bucks, right? They touched Giannis. That's a foul, right? We saw that. So to come from okay, I can't play defense really because every time I touch him, I'm going to get fouled. To now hearing another superstar. Now claiming I need a fair chance, but reality, when you play a team who is not as good, like when they played the Jazz, you can't tell me right now there wasn't calls where it's like, really, I, I, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think that's where my issue is. It's not so much that it's against Golden State because Golden State's going to benefit, no doubt about it. You're yeah. going to beat Golden State. You're going to have to beat them straight up, refs and all, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not going to say that you are being quote unquote screwed out of these games. The games are still close, right? Yeah. And I do think that they just won last night, right? As of this recording, they won last night. Um, but I, I, I don't think that these calls are so egregious to where it's it's single-handedly costing them a basketball game. Because at the end of the day, if you're the better team, you're going to overcome. Cavs did it. So don't tell me it can't be done because Cavs did it. Well, Cavs did it. The only year they did it was when they had the more superstars on their team. No, I wouldn't say they did though. Honestly, I would say they had equal amount of superstars. Well, I think. Le- had, but then LeBron takes oh, oh, for sure takes precedent, you know, right? Yeah. No doubt about it. But what yeah, I'm saying, though, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, I'm not going to take away what what Cleveland did three years ago in winning a champion. Oh, because they had more superstars, refs were on their side. I'm not going to do that. No, right. I don't, I don't so I awesome. feel like Harden is trying to supplement the fact that if they lose this series again with a healthy roster, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like he's trying to supplement. Like, well, we only lost because. I'm not getting a fair shake, but you're a superstar. You you're you get a better shake than most do anyway. Like when Sean Livingston's on the court and Harden's yeah. guarding him, right? And I'm just using an example, right? Mm-hmm. Who's gonna get benefit of that call? It's Harden every single time. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that I guess that's my only issue with the claim. I just you know I'm, what I mean? I'm more annoyed at the the, in, like, yeah, the inconsistency like, in, as a whole. I agree. And I don't that, care about like right. if you could say that or not. LeBron said it all the time, right? Because of course. he's always um, yeah. He it's impossible to ref a LeBron oh, game. Oh, for sure. Yeah, if he gets touched, it's, is it a foul? Is it not a foul? He's yeah. ginormous. I totally agree. Now, I'm going to ask you this: mm-hmm. Is I got a two parter really? Is the refereeing the, the inconsistencies? Has it been worse than than you think in, in recent years? Has it been worse? And two, do you think that? These kind of comments coming from Harden, coming from even like you know, like Durant's been so, every single time you watch a basketball game, every time a foul is called, you see this. What I can't, I can't do it. I, I you know, like mm-hmm. how did you, how did you call that? Every mm-hmm. I, I could have punched a guy square in the mouth and I could do that. And be, oh yeah, it's you know, it's totally. Mm-hmm. So has the refereeing been more inconsistent? And two, do you think that the players speaking out against officiating is hurting the overall product of the game? I think, I'll, I'll, especially this season, a lot of the inconsistency yeah. is, and with James Harden complaining about it, is coming from his own performance. When you play, when you when he went on that whatever, how many days right. or months when he scored thirty over thirty points, mm-hmm. he was shooting like twenty free throws. Like he was making twenty free throws a game. Right. He was getting these insane calls, and the league got a lot of like 
SHIT from it. Right. All the refs. And they were getting. <laughs> I love how you spelled them out. That's perfect. Sticking right to the theme. I love it. Sticking, but they were getting a <laughs> lot of true, calls. Yeah. So yeah. if you and then so coming to the playoffs, the league is already getting crap from from a lot of for people sure. for these for these calls, no calls, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you have you have the Warriors, which you we can obviously all agree on that the the rest they're going to get calls. Of they're course, superstars. Yeah. And then you have James Harden, who they know that if they start they start making whatever calls on whatever his and his play of kicking his mm-hmm. legs out, then they're going to get more stuff. For it, so I understand James Harden what it why why he's like complaining, but you also have to know what circumstances you're complaining about. If you have Golden State Warriors and you're also you're on t- how just how you play the game. Mm-hmm. And what was the second question again? I, I was, <laughs> is I was is this is these teams right? Because you've even had like Steve Kerr's come out, you know, Dan Tony's come out, team, coaches, players are coming out and saying the game needs to be officiated better. Right, like there's an ongoing every single time a call is made, I've never once been like, you know what? Actually, yeah, I followed him. Yeah, it was my fault. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, is that ruining the product as a fan? Are you like, oh, can we just move on, or can we just play the damn game without, you know, fifty-five free throws a game? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that is hindering not only the rate of play. But also, like, I feel like it's taking some of the, of the you know, I, we're all pretty big defensive guys here, right? We yes. like a good, you know, that's why the Pistons were so fun to watch, right, in 04, because no team scored like 100 points on them. It was crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you're never going to see that again with the way things are, mm-hmm. right? So is it ruining the product as a whole and it's not making it a well-rounded game? It's just all about, all right, whoever can hit more threes than that night is going to be the best team. Well, I think, I think regardless of... If they're gonna call it strict or let them play, mm-hmm. I think there should be a more clear. Like they should make it clear. We're gonna we're gonna call it strict. We're gonna make sure that no fights break out, or we're gonna right. let them play because these are two high high quality teams for sure. So if you make that distinction prior to the game, mm-hmm. at least even if they're if it's a, if they're everything's gonna be called against, they're not letting anything through, and all the refs because right. there's been times where one ref is calling everything, one is letting them all play, right. and that's where a lot of anger comes from. So if you make it clear what they want to do. And what they're going to call, mm-hmm. they're going to call it a lot or not. Yeah. Then it would take away a lot of anger because sure. people know what to expect. Right. And they don't have to. They don't have to yeah. Talk Mike, about same, Mike, same question. Do you think this is hurting the game overall? Do you think that this is kind of, you know, this because there's so much scrutiny around the officiating right now that I think that everyone's got a case necessarily to say that I got screwed. I wouldn't say it's like ruining it per se. Yeah. Um, I don't really mind how it's being played. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wish they would just get rid of, mm-hmm. especially if you're in the playoff time, yeah. touch fouls yeah, so are annoying. just like... I hate it. I hate it. Like, all together, though, like, regular season, like, as Kyle said, mm-hmm. James Harden got his 30 points for going 25 for 25 at the free throw line. Right. Like, how about when he drives to the rim, if you just touch him on the arm, it's not a foul anymore? Right. Yeah. Like, can we get rid of those? Right. And two... Not really interesting or, or stop allowing or stop allowing them to shoot after the foul then too. Yeah, to that's that's drives me too. nuts. But I think you also have Another to look at um the their shooting motion like in mm-hmm. warmups because some of these things that say like and some of them are egregious. Right, like sure. James yeah. Harden really does kick his legs out on some of them. Yeah. But James Harden's shooting motion, he doesn't land in the same spot. Right. Neither does Curry. Curry, yeah, right? Curry, like Curry lands on an angle. Yeah, Curry lands shoots. on an angle. Right. So for like sure. If you're like, I feel like there's like a difference there where yeah. like he kicks his leg out and Draymond's coming at you. Yeah. Where it's that's almost like impossible to even decipher right. because you can know he's kicking his legs out, but then in James Harden's defense, he's going, "I shoot like that." Right. So now exactly. you're gonna now you want me to change my shot? Almost. Right. Like Clay is up and down. Right. KD, For sure. KD actually fades away when he shoots. Yes. Which is super yeah, super I know. weird. Yeah. No, he's got the seven feet shot and, at all times. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I wouldn't say um. 
complaining to me doesn't really ruin the game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's because you have no idea what's a foul now right. because you touch the guy. Right. Like you're trying to play defense and you literally touch him on the chest. Right. It's like foul. Yeah. And then that's that's why you go. What? Where did where? I follow him? Right. It's more of. I think it's the question of like. Can I not touch the guy anymore? Right. Compared to like just complaining about everything, I'm, mm-hmm. it's more just like, what am I doing wrong? How can right. I fix this? Right. This kind of thing. I'm with you because sure. officiating's different every single game. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break here. We're gonna come back. We're gonna be talking a little bit of professional wrestling. We got some NWA talk. I know a lot of people just went, "What the hell is the NWA?" We'll explain everything. Uh, do you know what the and NWA is? I do not. Know. Not the oh, rap cool. group. Not the oh. rap group. <laughs> Little National Wrestling Alliance, and maybe talking a little bit of some John Moxley action on our way after the break. Stick around. Hey guys, this is the Mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendeika from the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. Just reminding you that we are live every single Monday at 7 in the morning on your favorite streaming services. All five major sports, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, and professional wrestling. I'm Always Right Sports Podcast every Monday, 7 a.m. See you there. All right, and we're back. <laughs> What's this? What is this? I don't even know what this is. Oh my gosh! All right, okay. All right, we're gonna, well, let's jump in now. We're gonna talk a little wrestling. Thanks, Kyle, for being on the show once again, filling in for Emily the Brain. Hopefully, she will be back next week. We say that, um, every, week we say that every week. I know it's like the biggest tease ever. Then she's gonna come back and be like, "I like apples," so it's gonna be great. Um, so let's talk NWA now. NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, the oldest wrestling company, truly in in you know in professional wrestling. Uh, it was established way long time ago in the territory days, um, and that's how we got the NWA Championship, right? Whereas all these mini champions, all in all these different territories, and then they all kind of went. You know what? We should have one true world champion, right? The people that are most synonymous with the NWA World Championship, Ric Flair, Harley Race, just to name a few, they've kind of experienced a bit of a resurgence, though. It's been it's been almost 20, 30 years since the NWA really meant anything, if more, not more than that. Um, where now we're kind of seeing Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins owns the company, right? Where it's it's become a little bit more interesting. It's become more mainstream once again. Um, they're they've been on they've been you know they've had you know a couple shows they recently just had the Crockett Cup once yes. again where they crowned new NWA tag team champions PCO and Brody King which if you're an old NWA fan the most out of the box tag team champions yeah. you could ever have are these two guys but nonetheless um, you've got a new um, NWA North American champion with, in Colt Cabana yeah. right uh, the NWA <laughs> Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis which we'll talk about in a second but Mike I want to ask you. Um, can they keep this going? Can they keep the momentum going? Because this is the first time, you know, pretty much in my lifetime that the NWA has ever on its own been like, oh yeah, the NWA is a thing again. Um, I would say so. I think recently I've actually liked watching their last, what, two or three shows that Mm -hmm. they've had better than some of the Ring of Honor special shows. Right. Like their tours that they've been on. For sure. Um, New Japan's still, I think, my top company right now. Yeah. But um, NWA is actually creeping up after the Crockett Cup. I watched actually most of the Crockett Cup. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're starting to creep up into probably my second other than WWE. They're like like a separate thing. They're just, I'll always watch them. Yeah. But like as uh, independent companies go, they're probably ranking up around second right now. Ring of Honor's a close third. Right. Um, Can they keep it up? I think it's going to be tough with um, AEW starting up in about May yes, or June. Right. Um, I think that's going to be a tough. But I also think it's going to. I think AEW is going to be targeting more of the WWE fans mm-hmm. than a lot more of the independent guys because a sure. lot of independent fans will be watching it. Yeah. And it's going to be a different day. Yeah. Than uh, WWE events will be, so mm-hmm. that really helps them. Um, but I think as independent wrestling fans go, mm-hmm. I think. Um, 
a lot of people are going to actually be starting to be tuning into NWA, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be a big increase. Yeah, so, I think the problem. I think I think you're absolutely right. Right, getting a TV deal, getting any sort of real television exposure right now yeah. is going to be super hard for them. Right, mm-hmm. WWE's ratings are down. Um, so it's already kind of making people concerned about the Fox deal with WWE. It's already making people concerned about AEW's possible TV deal. Yeah. So the Ring of Honor is still does not have real permanent television mainstream mm-hmm. cable every week, right? So Impact is having their struggles, you know, and they're kind of on that resurgence. But I think it's great that the NWA is back. Um, I, I'm extre- I'm extremely excited to see. Now, this is something, too, that the NWA is basically kind of taking up where TNA left off. Where, you know, Billy Corgan at one point bought into TNA, right? And then they kind of booted him out pretty much right away after that. So I think Billy, with the money aspect of it, really being able to heavily invest and kind of take independent wrestling. Because I look at it as New Japan, Ring of Honor, TNA, they're all kind of like tier two, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? WWE is tier one, right? They're the conglomerate. They're the meg- they're the machine, right? No one's stopping that. But below them, right, is still high quality product, right? Production values there. But then I think the NWA, just from a just from a production and just an overall outreach right now, is in tier three. But however, I think that they are the they are the first ones to really go. You know what? We're gonna go here, and then we're gonna go here, and then we're gonna go all these little territories, these independent promotions that are like in that tier four, where it's like in their individual states are big, but outside of that state, you know what I mean? So I feel like they're the first ones that are kind of going, okay, the NWA title is now going to be here. And they're really going old school with it. They're going to go here, then they're going to be in Minnesota. Okay, now they're going to be in California. Now they're going to be in Florida. Now he's going to be here. Now he's going to be here, right? And it's an attraction to say the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion is going to be in my town, mm-hmm. right? Where that's how it used to be, right? Ric Flair, he'd come into the Carolinas for a couple weeks, run a program, and then he'd beat the guy whoever their champion was, okay, now I'm going to Chicago. Now I'm going to Florida. Now I'm going here. Now I'm going here, right? So I just think it's an extremely interesting dynamic from the perspective of making the world champion look like a true world champion, right? He's going against all these different guys from all these different promotions and really kind of setting himself up to be, quote-unquote, the traveling world champion. But speaking of the world championship, Nick Aldis, he is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. I how do you feel about them kind of hitching their wagon to him? Magnus is for some of you who yes. don't know what his real that's, name is, right? That's who I knew. Yeah, Magnus first. from TNA, former multi-time world champion there, former Global Force Wrestling champion, whatever. But what what are your thoughts on him being kind of the guy? I mean, Storm, what his name was, Nick Storm or something like that. I don't remember his name. It was the the guy the before Tim Storm? Sorry, Tim Storm. He was the champion before Aldis, and that was useless but you know cody had it for a brief second there with all in but nick has been the guy that's been championing the nwa since billy kind of took over is he the right guy to to kind of like lead these guys like lead them in this because i don't really think he is but i kind of want to give your take on yeah i don't wow i love do you uh, really i love i'm a fan but i'll tell you why in a second okay um when i first started getting into impact wrestling he was a champ no, he wasn't yeah. champ yet. It was 2010, and they were doing the Aces and Eights yeah. storyline. Right. So they were bringing back the main event mafia. Right. I agree uh, with you. Line. He was hot, and, and I, I'm with you on that train. On like, yeah. He was like the guy every time he came out. He was the young guy where you're like, that's their next yeah. guy. Yeah. I was like, yep, right. he's like the exactly. dude. Exactly. I totally um, agree with that. Not knowing a lot about like how they could, how WWE could get him, right. I was like, I would love if somehow he came on WWE television. Right. Because he would, I feel like for him, he would have been like the Seth Rollins, but like 
five years ago. Right. Like, he would have been that guy that they would be pushing, and, mm-hmm. like, he would have been champ and stuff. Right. Um, big fan. I think he's pretty good on the mic. Mm-hmm. His matches are always, like, four stars out of five for me, at mm-hmm. least. He's giving a lot of good performances. Um, I think, now, long-term, I don't think, I think you do have to find another guy. F- right. For but a, I think right. I think for a good time here, mm-hmm. he could really help you uh, at least bring the right. company. The, up o- a the only bit. problem I have with him, it's not so much the promos. Fine, I think he presents himself as a champion. He looks he like does, a champion, yeah. right? Absolutely. I think, and I'm with you. When when that second main event mafia run kind of happened, I looked. You look at you looked at him. You went, "He's their next guy. Yeah. He's the next champion." He, he was like the Randy Orton of Evolution, right? You just absolutely. Looked at, you're like, yep, he's, yep, the he's the next guy. Absolutely. But with that being said, once he got the title, nothing, the needle didn't move for me. I, yeah. felt, I felt like they were looking, and, and it's kind of the same thing here. I do think he's a hell of a worker for the most part. I thought some of his matches with Tim Storm were pretty rough, but I put that more on the old guy than I do him. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, don't, I, I think that he's good. I think he's not great. And that's the only thing where I'm not necessarily, right now, going to go out of my way to pay to see Nick Aldis as the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, right? Like, if they were on every single week, I'm not paying to watch him. No, I would You know what I mean? That's the only problem I have, right? Like, and I don't know who that guy is, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to nitpick and say, well, it should be Kenny Omega as NWA World Champion. It's well, not, it's yeah, not a that would, thing. Yeah, that would but you know what obvious. I mean? But for me, it's almost to the point where it's like, I feel like he's just kind of treading water. I mean, he had that match with Marty. Nobody in the right mind thought Marty was winning the NWA title, nope. right? So I feel like he's just kind of treading water a little bit and kind of just sitting there and he's kind of holding this for this next young, for the next young guy to get it, right? I feel like somebody coming off, like, if, if somebody like, and we're going to talk about it in a second, if John Moxley came into the NWA... And he was the champion. It turns everything on its face because mm-hmm. and I'll t- and because a guy like him with such mainstream exposure, all this yes, he was on TNA, but in the grand scheme of things, he wasn't on he wasn't on television every single week for everybody to watch, right? He wasn't on Raw every single week. He's being a former Impact World Champion compared to being a former WWE Champion. It's like apples to fruit snacks it's not even the same thing you know what i mean one's artificial <laughs> one's not you know what i mean sorry about it but it, it's the truth right yeah, no it is so that's that's my only thing and, and speaking of john moxley we're gonna keep watching the nwa thing i'm all this big fan just kind of need you to drop the title anytime soon <laughs> yeah, well, unless you want to go to nxt and win their world title then i'm fine but yeah that point, right oh yeah. no wait you're holding there's, up for somebody else there's a reason why he's not there but <laughs> I want to talk a little bit, too, about John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, or FK, I guess, formerly known as Dean Ambrose now, right? Yeah, so, you can say that, I guess. He came out with this promo. He's coming back as his original personality. I just want to talk about him real quick. Right. Um, number one, where is he going to end up? And two, is he the biggest name that's truly been a free agent in I can't remember how long? Like, I'm going to take Kenny out of it because Kenny, we always knew, was going to AEW, yeah. right? They take the bu- those guys who kind of started their yeah. own product, right? But, like, I can't remember the last time somebody was a true free agent. Maybe AJ? Because no one saw maybe, maybe going there. He was there. for a right. minute. Right. So, I mean, I don't know of another guy with this kind of exposure mm-hmm. that's, not been, that's, not, and that's not signed somewhere else immediately. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. just doesn't disappear and he's now he's over here. Yeah, I totally you know I mean? would agree with that. I think AJ is the closest thing right. that you have yeah, to right. uh, a free agency of that uh, caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, 
me personally, and I don't know how you feel, yeah. I'm not a huge Ambrose fan, or I'm not a huge Ambrose fan, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, him in the free agency market, um, it's going to be good if he goes to AEW. He can have great matches with Paige, Pac. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, yeah. He's Kenny, gonna, yeah. Cody, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he goes to New Japan, he can have great matches with all those guys there. Uh, and you know there'll be five-star matches over there. I think he should go, but I think he should we, go. Yeah. I really yeah. think he should go to Japan. Yeah. But. Um, Ring of Honor, I don't think he, I don't think he'd be a good fit for Ring of Honor right now. No. And NWA, I think he could be a guy who can take the title off Nick Aldis. Yeah. But I don't know. And to your point, though, I don't know if me personally, right. I would pay money to go see. Right. Maybe. John Moxley the as, only reason why I have any sort of hope, and I'm with you, I wasn't the biggest Ambrose guy either. Now. When he first came in, I was huge on him oh, because of, of the promo ability. And then they went and they put him in a box. WWE put him in a box yeah. and said, you can do six moves and you can do this one thing in this mm-hmm. very exact same cadence, the exact same time, all the time, right? His last little bit here has been terrible. So for him to go back and do what he was doing before he signed in WWE as this John Moxley character where he was more extreme... You know, he was in CZW. He'd run that ruse for a really long time. He was innovative. His mic work was impeccable. He was always able to, to deliver a solid promo. For a guy like this to kind of just go, you know what? I'm, I need to get out of whatever I just did and do something completely different, right? Because n- most people nowadays, with the exception of us, right? Most ger- generic WWE fans who like Dean Ambrose know him as Dean Ambrose. They have no recollection of him before that. So for him to go back to his to his roots and go this more extreme, hardcore, I'm not saying do death matches, but what I am saying is for him to kind of go and, and be more innovative and tell those stories, whether it's in AEW, if he goes to New Japan, I think he'd be huge in New Japan. He would be, I think he would be ginormous. He could win I mean? any title there. Right. He, even all three Pretty major much. singles. Yeah, you know, for sure. Yes. You do totally get it, yeah. right? Because he's completely different. Than anything else they've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. So I have a little bit of hope when you know that him coming out here and going and doing all these indie events. I'm interested to see where he goes. But for him to go and make a make a humongous name for himself outside outside of the WWE, it only in, increases his value because he's coming back. He's going to come back to the WWE at some point. I know he's going to. So when he does though, maybe he doesn't need to come back as Dean Ambrose. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a whole it's a whole big thing. So I'm I'm really excited to see that. But all right, that's going to be it for episode 23, episode 23. Wow, been a lot of episodes. Um, that's going to be it for us. Once again, if you want to be on the show, you want to call in, you got, you want to talk to us, have an opinion or anything like that, hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, you know where you can find us. Also, if you want to email us, iarbroadcastmedia at gmail.com. For the Merck Zone, I am the Mouth of Michigan, Ramadeka. We will see you guys, as always, next time.